Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us yet again. And uh, I'm really excited about this conversation with my relatively new friends, Andrew and Melanie from andrewmelanie.com. Thank you guys so much for joining the Boca Podcast today. Thank you. We're so happy to be here. And, and we actually had the, our, our first chance to sit and chat for a little bit in Vegas, WPPI. And I really loved our conversation. It was extremely compelling. I love the the kind of chemistry that you guys have together and conversation kind of flowed very, very easily. So it only made sense that we would also do a podcast interview. So I'm glad that we were able to make this happen. Really, I'd like to just dive right in. Something that we normally do with the Boca podcast is something called the aha moment. And very simply, this would be maybe the biggest or hardest lesson that you guys have learned as business owners thus far. What comes to mind? Oh, man. <laughs> in the many years or so many, I think, you know, when we were thinking about this, I think maybe not the most aha moment, but the most transforming moment for, for me personally in our business was a couple of years ago, we had a couple who passed away really tragically right right shortly after their wedding. Wow. And it was something that it, it really deeply affected Andy and I. And I, I think personally, on a personal level, it was the first time that I was really able to kind of embody and understand the value of what we do. So that that incident just transformed how we how we approach business and kind of how we approach weddings. I think up until that time, I personally was was running our business and you know showing up at weddings with a focus of everything's so pretty and hopefully we can get some beautiful images. Not hopefully, but we're, our focus was getting pretty images to maybe be published or for our couples and also for blogs and things like that. And after that happened, it just did a one eighty for us. So now. I think our focus is not on, we don't really care if we are ever published again or ever featured on a blog. It's more, can we create really deeply meaningful images for our couples and something that is going to outlive us and outlive them. And, and play a significant role for in the, the lives of, of their family and friends, right? I mean, the fact that you had captured those images of the two of them, and then again, family and friends had those images when this couple passed away. And that's, that's so just, that's just such a brutal thing to hear and, and, and so incredibly sad, but you were able to contribute to that with these beautiful images that you captured on the day, the significance of legacy really of, of the imagery that we're creating. That's so, so important. Andrew, anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, that was, it was such a touching moment in, in that instance because they actually had a daughter. Oh, and wow. Yeah, as soon as we found out, we printed albums, we printed prints, and and we tracked down the family members, and we we just had to make sure that 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 daughter she she had those images for the rest of her life. Wow, how old was the daughter? Nine. Goodness, yeah. wow, that's so tough. Well, you know, this it's a it's a tough lesson. It's a kind of a somber lesson, but it's an important lesson and a good reminder for our listeners as well. That yes, at the end of the day, it goes way, what we do goes way beyond Instagram, it goes beyond Facebook, and getting all those likes and getting published, what we are creating is ultimately, hopefully a significant part of this family's legacy. And um, I love that you guys started off our conversation with that, and I appreciate you sharing that. 
Um, maybe on a little bit lighter note, I'd love for our <laughs> listeners to get to know you a little bit, though. As I mentioned earlier, I had such a great time in conversation with you. And you, you two have an interesting chemistry, and we're going to get into the background of your business here in just a little bit. But what's something kind of random that maybe most people don't know about you? Uh, so for me, I grew up on a deer farm in Michigan, in the Midwest. So my, my whole life, I grew up on a deer farm and, uh, that was in our backyard. Now, you know, most people don't think about the notion of a deer farm. It's one thing to have a farm with cows or chickens or or otherwise, but a deer farm, what is, what does that life look like? Is it so different from others? No, not really. We had five acres fenced in with a few deer in there and they were our pets and people stopped by all the time and brought their kids. It was, it was my little petting zoo in the backyard. <laughs> and, and that's translated kind of to the rest of your life though, right? You, you're, you tend to be a bit of an outdoorsman. Yes. Yes, I am. I, I love the outdoors, do a lot of hiking, fishing, camping, and getting out in the mountains. That's really, really cool. And then Melanie, how about yourself? I think that something someone wouldn't expect to know about me is that for most of my life, I actually really could not stand dogs. So that's funny because I kind of lead with being a puppy mama now, but Andy, that created a lot of tension between our relationship when we first got together and he talked me into getting a puppy. And now I'm kind of officially the crazy dog lady because I love our puppies. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if anybody has seen pictures of your puppies, they'll know why, because they're absolutely just beautiful and adorable. Uh, and, and for those of you listening in who haven't seen Andrew and Melanie's website, do go to andrewmelanie.com, like I mentioned earlier. You can also go to instagram.com slash Andrew underscore Mishler, M-I-S-H-L-E-R, and then Melanie Soleil, S-O-L-E-I-L. And you guys can check out, especially the pictures of the dogs. They really are just absolutely stunning. My mom grew up with a, I don't know if it was an English Spaniel, but a Springer Spaniel, very similar to the ones that you have. They're just absolutely gorgeous. And what's their personalities like? They're kind of like us. They're polar opposites. The the little boy, he is just over a year old. He is the snuggler of the family. All okay. he wants is uh, kisses and to be held. And the other one, she's a little standoffish. So we have to be careful with her. She She definitely has a little bit of an attitude. <laughs> and you mentioned earlier before we actually hit the record button that we might hear dogs in the background. So we'll know if, if it sounds like somebody's trying to jump up on your lap, that's the little boy who's the cuddler. Is that right? Yes, correct. Okay. Yes. That's really cute. Well, how do you guys like to spend your free time? And I know we mentioned the outdoors. Is that a part of how you spend your free time together? What does that look like? Yeah. So during the summertime, I, I have a boat and we live on a lake. So I'm out fishing pretty much every morning that I can. And I'm always back boat in the back in the garage before Melanie even gets out of bed. So I'm out in nature on a lake or walking the dogs doing something outside. So, so that's what I do. And does that feel like, you know, the idea or the notion, the concept of meditation comes up a lot these days in our culture. It's no longer the, the, the quote hippie thing to do. Right. But is that kind of your meditation, that ability to be able to get away and get out in nature and the quiet and, and have a little bit of time on your own? Absolutely. It's a must for me because, I mean, we are going to be married this year. We live together. We spend 100% of our time together. So my little getaways, that's my little quiet space away from the our, our crazy lives in our house. <laughs> well, and, and, on a, and it sounds humorous, and it, in some ways, I guess it kind of is. But but at the same time, I think we, we had this discussion briefly anyway at, at WPPI, the significance too in a, in a relationship, especially a long-term relationship of independence. And uh, as as maybe antithetical as that might sound to the Hollywood version of romance, it's really important as individuals to be able to, to express that individuality. And I, I love that you found it in fishing. What, what kind of fish do you usually, uh, are you out fishing for? 
Uh, I bass fish. Okay. That's really cool. And you get back before she wakes up. Are you going out at like three or four o'clock in the morning? Oh no. She sleeps in during the <laughs> summer when our daughter's not at school. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm back before nine. <laughs> Melanie, you've been thrown under the bus just a little bit there. How do you like to spend your free time besides sleeping? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> my free time, I guess, would be yoga or getting a massage, getting pedicures, just sitting and reading a book. Andy made a really pretty uh, hammock area for us. So I'll sit in that hammock and just do nothing. Oh, wow. So hammocks, this is something I've experienced very, very little, but do you have them hanging out like on a front porch or something like that? No, he, he set up a really beautiful hammock for me under the tree. We have two trees. So he set it up there and I will just sit there and bask in the sun, do nothing. Wow. Okay. So now one of the things we haven't talked about is whereabouts you guys are located. Cause we're talking about being outdoors and fishing and having the, the hammock outdoors. Whereabouts are, are you located? So we're in Penn Valley, California. That's where we live. And that's at the, in the foothills in the Sierra Nevada mountains. Oh, in beautiful. Canada. It's a tiny, tiny little town. Our town has two stoplights. It's tiny. <laughs> and how does that play into, maybe maybe you'll be able to comment on this as we begin to talk a little bit about your photography business. And in fact, for that matter, let's let's just kind of segue into that. What? How does living in a small town affect your photography business? So we're really focused on relationships with our couples and vendors and all the venues that are out there. So we spend a lot of time and it's not forced time because we love the the relationships we build with our clients and also the vendors. So, you know, we actually are shooting over 30 weddings a year in our small little town. We do travel to Sacramento, uh, to San Francisco and have a couple weddings in Austin, Texas this year. So, you know, most of our business is in this small town. So it, it's a beautiful area. Wow. Yeah, I actually, I actually kind of think that being in a small community is it's easier to build relationships than being in the big city where there's, you know, just a gazillion vendors. And we, we do have a lot of wedding photographers here. Obviously, the market's kind of saturated everywhere, but it, it's it makes it a lot easier in a small town to make those personal connections and meaningful connections where it's not just friends on Instagram or you know friends on Facebook. So very often at weddings, we will show up on a Friday wedding and then the same Saturday wedding and we're working with the same vendors over and over again. And it's really fun. Actually, I, I bet that is. Yeah. Now I, I live in the Chattanooga area. This is where I shot for over a decade and Chattanooga proper is about 200,000. I think population, the surrounding area is about a half a million. What, what is the population in that area? Uh, 25,000. Wow. Okay. So yeah, whole that's, different, whole different ball game. And that's three small little towns put together. <laughs> That's incredible. Okay. So back to the idea of relationships. I know personally, and this is something I've I've mentioned on the podcast before, but I found significant value in relationships, actually, particularly with one coordinator in town. We we loved working with Taylor and, and then Morgan, who came along and ended up purchasing the business as well. And they we had such a great chemistry with them. Um they were certainly the the top top end wedding coordinator, wedding planning solution in town as well. And yet they were also so excited about our brand that they were literally just driving thousands and thousands of dollars to our business. And and literally to the point where they would actually come and sit during a wedding consultation. Taylor might call me up and say, hey, look, I've got this client. You need to meet them. I think they'll be a good fit for you. And she'd come and sit in our office and I would literally not have to say a thing. She was so excited about her brand. She 
just go to town talking to these clients about how we shoot our approach to the wedding day, look at these products and these albums, this imagery, it's beautiful, and just on and on and on. It would literally sell for me. And that was the kind of relationship that ultimately translated to, as I said, a significant amount of business. You'd think in 2018 that technology would be kind of tech taking over or getting in the way even of significant relationships. But at the end of the day, it's those, as you said earlier, the meaningful relationships that can be really, really important for our businesses. Yeah. And it, it really is those those personal deep relationships that build our business and help. And that and we're doing the same thing for these other vendors who we call them our frienders because there are people who are our friends, people that we would have over for dinner. Yeah to the studio for wine and we have parties and things like that. So yeah, and we're hand, you know, we find that most of our business is from those, those hand walking over clients to a specific vendor or they're, they're doing the same for us. That's really beautiful. And and I, I, I love that that's the reality of things, you know, that despite, again, the fact that we are living in this very, very modern age that's technology driven, that at the end of the day, it is back to basics and, mm-hmm. and the connections that we have with other people, whether you're a wedding photographer or a portrait photographer, it's so, so important. And I, I love that we have that reminder from you guys again today. How long have you all been in business together? And I know and maybe this is just a great opportunity to kind of share your backstory for your photography as, as a professional, certainly, but then as your brand stands right now, what's the, what's the backstory to that? Yeah. So, well, I've been a photographer for about 15 years and Andy and I met six years ago and then he just kind of started coming along. He was working in corporate America at the time and started coming along to help me with my wonderful sales skills that I had at the time. (laughs) (laughs) That was, they're not, they weren't wonderful. They were horrible. And then Things, one thing led to another. He started shooting, really, really had a passion for shooting. And now we rebranded last year. So last year we officially rebranded Melanie Soleil Photography to Andrew and Melanie Photography. And I still don't get a paycheck. <laughs> Despite the fact that you've probably um, helped increase sales significantly, right, Andrew? Uh, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> So I'm actually curious about that because, you know, sales and, and, and I'm the first one to admit I, it's a weakness of mine even, um, you know, here I run a, a company that at photog- as photographers edit that is certainly at, whose, whose job is, is for me to market our services and ultimately the value that we bring to photographers to not only the U.S. market, but internationally as well. And I'm still not a so-called natural salesperson. What were Maybe if you could, off the top of your head, what were one or two, maybe three techniques that you really honed in on teaching to Melanie when you came on board that made a difference in the business? So one of the first experiences I had with wedding photography and also vendors and, and bride and grooms, I actually went to her, went, went to a wedding show with her and I just sat back. I had to set up her booth and help her. And I thought I'd just stay and keep her company, knew nothing about a photography at all, never picked up a camera. And I just sat in the corner of her booth and watched her interact. Actually, she wasn't interacting. She had her clipboard <laughs> arms, looking very nervous and scared. And then about a half hour in, I said, well, this, this is a pretty easy thing just to talk to people. So I just went, I started grabbing people, bringing people to her, you know, as long as people walk up to her, she does amazing job having the conversation, but it's just starting that conversation Mm. where she struggled. I just started talking to people. We talked to so many people. She was so exhausted by the end of the day. And Melanie, what, what do you think is that? Because I can actually very much relate to that so-called fear. What do you think is the fear innate to, oh, I got to talk to somebody I don't know, or I need to sell them on my business? What does that look like for you? You know, I think part of that is what you just said, selling, selling them on business. And Andy and I were just talking about 
the transformation that's ha- happened in our business from trying to chase clients and chase potential leads to having them come to us and having them be interested in, in us. And um, and I think that has to do with with our, the value that we place on what we do mm-hmm. and the confidence that we have. Uh, to be honest, I just didn't have a lot of confidence in what I was selling and and your ability and my ability and my, and my value, even though I was a very skilled photographer, it was, you know, I thought I had to lower my prices or I was too expensive or there was cheaper photographers. And I didn't understand that, that value. And you know what I can, when you talk about the the idea of confidence, that really resonates with me because even in recent years, uh, again, as a business owner, I mean, photographers edits been in business for 10 years and I was in business for seven years or so before that with photography. I still struggled with being confident uh, as an individual who, I mean, if you were to, wanted to put a label on it, is relatively introverted. Uh, going into especially places like WPPI where there's big t- get-togethers and you know some of the parties that have happened over the years, you go into a room where there are 100, 200, 300 people in a, in a relatively small space and, it, and it's loud and you're supposed to try to have some kind of conversation. And I just wasn't very comfortable in that, in that scene. And you know, I think it's easy, as, especially as artist types, to kind of write ourselves off as quote introverted or whatever the label might be and just kind of leave it at that. And I think it's really, really important, at least I've found for myself to do a little bit of introspection um, and figure out where that, that lack of confidence, where that fear is coming from, address that issue or those issues so that we're, we're not just limiting ourselves to a label that, that we do something as simple as have a conversation and take a chance in that realm. You know, like I, I think about how great you guys are to talk to and probably most of those clients that interact with you or potential clients that interact with you feel very, very similarly. But on the, on the other side of that, it's easy to forget that you're adding value um, to these people. Is there a way, Melanie, that you've kind of learned to step beyond that fear? Uh, well, I think that I, I resonate a lot with what you say, because when we go to WPPI or any kind of event like that, I'm the person who would be you know, under the table <laughs> or in the corner. And yeah. Andy's, very, Andy's very social. But I think I learned that, you know, it doesn't matter if, if I'm introverted, everybody wants authentic connection. Everybody wants to be heard. Everyone mm. wants to be understood. And our couples are planning some one of the biggest events of their life. They're kind of out in the open. They don't know, you know, they don't have the expertise in planning a wedding. So that's where we can step in and really offer value to them and just listen to their stories and get to know them. And I'm glad that you make that point. We'll, we'll move on to more about your photography business here in just a second. But I'm glad that you make that point about getting to know them, the significance of getting to know them, because I'm reminded, uh, have been even just recently in conversation of how much importance, even if, even if the person that you're talking to isn't doing it consciously, at the end of the day, they themselves are certainly one of the most important people in their own lives, right? So if you simply make an effort to ask them questions about themselves, uh, if, if you don't know anywhere else to go in the conversation, just ask them about themselves and then ask a follow-up question. You can drive good conversation where they're going to feel valued because you're asking them about about them. And that's a good starting place, especially for those people who are uncomfortable diving into conversation with somebody that they don't know very well. But I, I love that we brought this up and I appreciate you kind of sharing in your experience in that. At the end of the day, again, I would encourage all of our listeners to, to take a little bit of time. If you're apprehensive diving into conversation, that, that simple 
conversation can drive significant business for you as a wedding or a portrait photographer. Figure out the fear or the fears that are behind your apprehension and, and diving into those conversations. Address them, begin to address them, and then just keep it simple. Focus on what you're good at, that conversation right there in front of you. Ask lots of questions and you'll be well on your way to uh, better interactions with, with your potential clients. Now, how long have you guys been in business together as photographers? Did you say just within the last year? I would say officially because it, he was helping me as a second shooter and in, in sales and stuff yeah. with my business that has been 11 years that I've been in business yeah. officially. And then last year we launched our Andrew and Melanie website. Which, by the way, is just absolutely gorgeous. I, I really like not so much the, the, the so-called kind of cliche dark and moody imagery that's out there as a general rule, but just darker. I mean, you, you've got this beautiful dark image on the background with your logo laid on top of it. It's the first thing that you land on when you go to andrewmelanie.com. And then just scrolling down, there's not too much text. And it's very, very easy on the eyes. The color scheme that you picked out is beautiful. How did you guys put this this website together? Is this, I mean, are you are you designers by nature? Or did you have somebody help you with it? The magical touches of Jeff and Jen. Yes, absolutely. Yes. We just had them on the podcast the other day. Love, love those guys. Nice. Yeah, they're brilliant. And yeah, we can we can't say enough good things about them. They took our craziness and roped it in, and they were able to help us do something that we could never do. So what did that, if you could just sum up the, the process briefly, what did that look like for you? What was the, the process of here's kind of the, the, you know, the jumbled ideas that we have in our head. Can you take something and do with it, do something with it? Can you create a beautiful website from it? What did that process look like? I don't even know how to describe working with Jeff and Jen. It's, it's a really magical process and it was challenging Very for challenging. sure. But I wouldn't say magical in the fact that they're magic. I mean, they are so brilliant and they were able to to take our ideas and and I definitely am one who was not the easiest person to work with, but they were able to just rope everything in and really take the feeling of what we were going for and and transpose that into a website. Yeah, and that process took took approximately a year uh, for us to hone everything in and, and really be proud of something that we can launch. And it, it's just the ideas and the things they shared with us and, and the interviews they had with us to create what they did. It, the, the process was, it was a struggle. It was a challenge and it pushed us to our absolute limits, but the outcome, it was definitely worth it. Yeah. Well, for those of you listening in who haven't heard episode 108 with Jeff and Jen, make sure that you go listen to that episode because uh, it'll give you wonderful insight into the process of creating, particularly for that episode, creating a website that's a unique reflection of you, what you're wanting to communicate to the world through your photography. Uh, but also make sure to check out andrewmelanie.com, uh, just like it sounds, M-E-L-A-N-I-E, andrewmelanie.com, uh, to see a beautiful example of Jeff and Jen's work. It's it's really, really lovely. Now, how do you guys position yourselves? What What is your brand position? How do you create distinction between yourselves and the photographers in that market around you? So our focus is really on quality over quantity and family over everything. So when we're approaching couples or when we're you know interacting with couples, that's our primary stance that we take. Um, and we also 
talk to our couples that we're not just photographers. We really focus on being legacy keepers. And we tell all our couples that even though they hire us, we don't really work for them. We, we work for something a lot bigger than them. Yeah. And what we work for, and one thing we convey on our website, and also when we, we talk to our clients is that just like Melanie said, we're working for that couple, but we're really working for their kids. There's their children's children, their great grandkids. You know, we're really focused on the future, documenting what is now and how their legacy started at their wedding for future generations. And how do you, besides that, the website, I mean, is that, does that fall into conversation? And we're going to actually get into what your pre-wedding consultation looks like here in just a little bit, but does it fall into conversation during that pre-wedding consult? Does it, do you continue to emphasize that in some way during the wedding day or after the fact? What does that process look like? So that process, so whether it's at a wedding show or if we have a website notifier, we talk to somebody on the phone or Skype with them within the first 10 minutes, we convey that very clearly to them. Yeah. And we have that kind of woven out through our, our whole brand. So from our, our meetings with them to even our gifts, like our welcome gifts that are very, they're very thoughtfully curated to kind of tie into that quality over quantity and family over everything. Everything is focused on that. That's beautiful. And it reminds me again of, of this book. And I've mentioned this a number of times on the podcast recently, but I'm just such a huge fan. I just finished uh, the audio version of it the other day called Building a Story Brand by a guy named Donald Miller. And one of the things that he emphasizes in that book is the significance of having a brand position that you can clearly communicate. Uh, Andrew, you mentioned doing so within within 10 minutes. I mean, very clearly communicate it immediately. We have to remember that that those, especially who are browsing our website, when they when they get to your website, they need to know immediately what it is that you are doing to add value to their lives. And in, in the case of a bride and groom, of course, the context is going to be, or the way that you communicate that may be a little bit different than you communicate it to a potential portrait client. But at the end of the day, we need to be able to very, very clearly and concisely within even just seconds with a short line or a sentence, be able to clearly communicate our brand position. And, and um, so I, I love that you guys have a very clear focus in that regard and, and make sure that you're communicating it right away to the client. That's so important. There's so many photographers now, and, and obviously that's a, I mean, that's really an obvious fact, but at the end of the day, we have to figure out how we're going to create a unique experience that is going to differentiate us from other photographers and how we can communicate that as clearly and concisely as possible. So if you haven't read that book or listened to that book, Building a Story Brand, I cannot recommend it enough. Now we're going to kind of transition into a slightly nerdy question, and I love this one, but I want to know what's in your gear bag. Maybe what's uh, each of you, a favorite camera body or a lens or accessory that, that you use on those wedding days? It may be easier to go through the things I don't have. <laughs> okay. Have. Um, but we we shoot Canon, so Mark III, Mark IVs, two camera bodies in each bag. My favorite lens is my 8512. It's like butter. It is just a magical lens. Love that thing. But the funny thing between us is that her gear bag and my gear bag, she is not allowed to touch my stuff. Ah, okay. Now, this is a good segue into to conversation a little bit about your personalities and, and even your chemistry as, as a relationship. I know that, that you, and you, you even mentioned this on the website, you guys are very, very different. Your personalities are very different. So tell us how that translates to the way that you prep and maintain your gear. So I actually prep and maintain all the gear, but during weddings, Melanie has the, the habit of dropping things. <laughs> uh, lenses, flashes, 
camera bodies herself. She falls. <laughs> uh, so, so when she asked to borrow things, it's, she has to ask quite a few times for me to actually give something up. And Melanie, what's, what is the piece of gear that maybe we should ask it this way? What is the piece of gear that you drop the most? Would that translate oh. to your favorite piece of gear as well? Maybe myself. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I, yeah, enough said. But um, my favorite, my favorite piece of gear is the one thirty-five. I just, I got that lens last year, and it is not coming off my camera. I love it. What do you like about that, and how do you actually use that lens on the wedding day? I so I actually I shouldn't say it doesn't come off because I it does come off quite a bit, but it's just I don't even know how to describe it. It's a st- stunning, stunning lens. I'm using it for portraits. I'm using it during the ceremony, all, all throughout the wedding day. Yeah, the compression and the bokeh that it creates, it's just a beautiful lens. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, I, I never shot specifically with the 135, the fixed lens. Uh, one of my go-tos was a 70 to 200, and I shot Nikon, but the 70 to 200, 28, and I loved the, the compression that I would get from that, certainly the bokeh as well. But for portraits, you know, I, I used to say, and, and well, I would still say, I can capture a beautiful image of a couple in a Walmart parking lot. You know, and, and, and really, if you're a good photographer, you can utilize the light, create an atmosphere which encourages raw emotion. And if you got a decent lens like that 135 that, that just kind of washes out the background, you can do that. Because as photographers, we end up in kind of unusual places or not necessarily the most beautiful places at time. At least that was my experience. It's important to have that kind of equipment that, that can make a difference in that regard. Do you, do you have any plans moving to a mirrorless system? Because I know this is a primary point of conversation for photographers these days. Do you think you'll ever go to Sony? Will you wait for Canon to come out with a mirrorless system? Right now, I shoot Fuji X-T1 also. Okay. I, I don't shoot it professionally, but it's it's on me wherever I go. But when when the mirrorless system, you know, when, when Canon releases theirs, that's equivalent to the 5D series with a full sensor, then we'll we'll take a look at it. Yeah. And I know that there are, there are rumors right now about that coming out. So maybe we'll see one this year. I'd, I'd love to kind of just transfer into the conversation about where really our primary topic today, which is what centers around that pre-wedding consultation. I mentioned it earlier and, and I'm excited about this topic because it's one that we haven't delved into in very much detail thus far. Uh, but I know again, as a wedding photographer for over a decade, that a good pre-wedding consultation can really truly be the difference between being a, you know, an average photographer and a really incredible photographer on that wedding day and so maybe we can just start with the basics. We share, especially for our newer photographers that are listening in, what is the significance of that pre-wedding consult uh, to begin with? Yeah, the, the pre-wedding consult is so, so very important. We think, and in our studio, we really see it as the foundation of setting up a successful wedding day and being able to capture the moments that we that we are wanting to capture on wedding day. Um, it helps us to decrease our stress because we kind of have an idea and a layout of who's who and what's happening throughout the day. It helps us to increase our sales by setting expectations for our couples and for post-wedding and also for adding extra hours and really helps us to set up the, the scene for us to be able to create legacy moments and legacy photos for our couples. Well, and, and you know, really, I guess we could sum what you described up as the, the significance of awareness, right? The awareness that it brings to us as photographers, because we can go into a wedding day um, with the assumption that we're going to be able to, to react quickly enough to a scenario or to any number of scenarios throughout that, you know, the hours and hours of the wedding day and make sure that we capture it. But 
awareness ahead of time makes all the difference in the world. And of course, encompassed in that process of developing awareness is very simply communication. And at the end of the day, a relationship, it's a close relationship with whether it's a, a personal relationship or a client relationship, uh, a close relationship with that person involves communication and making sure that all the details are shared and all the details are discussed, whatever the topic might be. And so that's really important. I know that the, the pre-wedding consultation that I used to carry out with our clients, if I think back to one, two, three, I think it was three and a half uh, to four pages or so in length. What, how many, do you have a very, very long pre-wedding consultation? What does that look like? Um, ours takes about an hour, sometimes an hour and a half. And we go through just everything in detail, but you know, we didn't always do this. And so when I think when I first started, we would, I would have these moments where like the mom was helping, helping the bride get into her dress, but the mom was in her sweats with no makeup on. And for a long time, I would blame that on, you know, Oh, the mom wasn't ready. Well, it wasn't the mom's fault. It was my fault for Mm. not setting up that scenario and letting the bride know that mom needs to be ready when she's helping her get into her dress so that we can get those beautiful images. So yeah, so now we go over everything during our pre-wedding consult. And it's something we we talk to our couples about the very first time we meet. So it's kind of infused throughout our experience with them that this is a big deal. And do you find that it's important, maybe Andrew, you can come in on this, to to kind of collaborate with the wedding coordinator or wedding planner, if there's one part of that wedding day, to collaborate with them and make sure that the details that you have in that wedding consultation or the information that you got from the wedding consultation, that it lines up with what the coordinator has in mind? Uh, yes. Yeah. So we definitely are in communication with the coordinator if there is one and we compare notes and, and just to make sure everything's going to line up. But we do have conversations with all coordinators and also pretty much all the vendors just to make sure, you know, everything is going to run smoothly. That's really, really good. Now, I know in leading up to our conversation, uh, Melanie, I think you shared three different significant purposes of the pre-wedding consultation. And I'm wondering if you can maybe walk our listeners through those three purposes. Yeah. So I think the the first one is setting up the foundation for a successful wedding day. So going back to like the coordinators, for instance, you know, sometimes the coordinators will send us over a timeline and that's great. We work with them on that, but really the coordinators timeline or their, their goal for wedding is very different from ours. So the, the coordinators end product is creating a, a seamless wedding day and a memorable wedding day for couples. Our focus is on creating legacy images and creating something that's going to outlive our couples. So we are, we have a different take on things. So when I say setting up the foundation, we want to make sure that we go through the timeline in detail, that we're giving our couples information on who needs to be where and when, and knowing what relationships are important to them so that, so that we can set, kind of set the stage for that. The other thing is like increase, increasing profits. We talked to so many photographers who are showing up early and staying late and not getting paid for those hours. And they're not really sure how to tap on that extra time or, or, you know, get paid. So if that's happening, then this is a really good time to go through the timeline and to be able to say, Hey, you know, you really need to add on some extra hours and extra hours are this much per hour. So we suggest that. And then the other thing is to creating legacy images for our couples, which is we need to know, you know, who's important to our couples. So what relationships are happening? We never want to be in a situation where we're saying, oh, let's get dad into the, the photos and dad just passed away. So those are kind of things that we're, we're really, really focused on during that pre-wedding meeting. 
And I, I want to go back to the first point that you made, because it's a good one and kind of reiterate some of our earlier conversation as well. And, and this centers around collaboration with that wedding coordinator, because I know that things can get lost in translation, if you will. And so if you're having a wedding consultation or pre-wedding consultation with this client and they communicate one set of information uh, to you, and then maybe they're saying it a little bit different way or communicated a di- different way, or it's, it's even heard a different way by the wedding coordinator, um, then then there could, there's a potential really of there being confusion and potentially even conflict on the wedding day. So I love that you emphasized the significance of cooperation with the wedding coordinator or the wedding planner, if there's one involved in that day so that um, you make sure you're on the same page, you're working together. I know that we used to, I mentioned Taylor earlier, and when we used to work with her wedding com- her wedding coordination company, they were, it, it became kind of second nature, right? Where we're seeing each other across the room and there's a little nod this way and an emotion this way. And, and you develop this kind of flow for the wedding day that ultimately translates to a better client experience. And I think you were alluding to that. Uh, it's about the client in the end. And if we can create enough awareness on our end and then collaborate on that awareness with the wedding coordinator, then it just means a better experience for the client all around. Yes. So true. So that's very true. So uh, maybe on a practical level then for those listening and especially who are relatively new to the wedding photography scene, do you have some suggestions, some tips that, that they can, these photographers and really all of our listeners can apply to their wedding consultation, maybe things that you have seen that, that photographers leave off of their pre-wedding consultation in the past, but, but maybe more specifically what you found success in, in your own pre-wedding consultations. Yeah. So I think the very first thing is setting up the expectation. Um, I was just talking to a photographer who was saying they couldn't get the timeline. They couldn't, they couldn't connect with the couple before the wedding and we're really struggling with that. So I think by setting the expectation from the very first meeting that this, this, consult is going to happen, the importance of it and explaining what's going to go into it um, is the first step. And And how far in advance of the wedding do you do that consultation? We do it three to four weeks ahead of time. So typically HoneyBook, we use HoneyBook for our client management. So they will typically, or 30 days before the wedding, the questionnaire goes out to them and that kind of starts the ball rolling for setting up the setting up the meeting. That's perfect. And so just simply letting them know, hey, we're going to do this consultation. And does that usually happen over the phone or do you do it in person? Combination of both? Uh, We always try to face-to-face with our couple, whether it is in person or Skype or FaceTime. We really value the connection point of seeing people's faces. Um, So we try to Skype at the very least. And if, if we can't do that, it will be a phone call. That's great. Okay. Well then um, maybe Andrew, you can take us to the, to the next step. What's another tip for our listeners, how they can improve that pre-wedding consultation. Get, you know, get to know your couple on a personal level, know who's important at that wedding, know who grandpa is, grandma is, know the family dynamics, know the diversity of the family, you know? So, you know, at the end of the day from our wedding or all our consultations, we want to show up on that wedding day as friends not as hired help. We just don't want to be the photographer. We want to show up knowing the family and and being interwoven with that family throughout the day. And it's one thing to sit and and have a meeting, whether in person or virtually, and ask these questions that kind of dive into the details of the family dynamic. And that it really is so important. But how do you then make those connections with with faces? Is there a kind of a process that you go through to make sure that you know that this is so-and-so's grandfather and this is the mother and this is, um, you know, the father or the brother, the sister or the friend, whatever it may be? How do you make those connections? 
So when we show up on wedding day, I'm, I'm a, I talk to everyone. So I just say, what's your name? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and we have, um, so during the consult, what we do is we create like a family tree. So sometimes I know a lot of photographers will say, oh, send over a list of, of who you want photos with. Well, if our client sends over that list, I don't know. I can't differentiate who's who and what, how those relationships are important to them. So we go in with a family tree. I know grandma's name is Jane and grandpa is so-and-so. So when we show up, we kind of put those, put those puzzle pieces together. And then we're able to call mom by her name and grandma by her name um, throughout the day. One step further also, we know how long grandma and grandpa's been married. We know how long mom and dad's been married. Um, so we ask personal levels, you know, questions about their family. And then with this information, you talked about the family tree. Is that something that you designed yourself? That there's this layout that you've created that you fill that information in? Is this something that HoneyBook has on their website? No, I I actually make it. And if you saw the way I put the family tree together, it's completely illogical to everyone else except for us. <laughs> and and sometimes when we're in person and our and our clients are seeing us me make this family tree, they're like, well. You spell their name wrong, and it's okay that we spell their name wrong. We need to have it phonetically correct, and um, it makes sense to us. So, well, I, I like the creativity innate to that. It kind of reminds me, actually, of of the idea of mind mapping and the significant role that mind mapping can actually play in memory. Um, so, this might be a really helpful tool for for listeners. And and uh, to Melanie's point, you can create your own beautiful family tree, whatever that might look like. <laughs> but I think that's a great tip, Melanie. Maybe you can take us to to a third tip. One thing is don't give away time. So if you're if you're going through a timeline with your couples and you see that you know maybe they have six hours or seven hours and they really need more, don't just give away your time. So take the time to to teach your clients how to value you by adding that extra time, suggesting it. Um, something that we do is if our couples book time three weeks before the wedding, or I'm sorry, it's not three weeks, it's 10 days before the wedding, then it's a certain rate. And if whether if things go long on wedding day, then it's a higher rate. So that's one way to kind of increase profits. And did you have a kind of a bad experience in that realm that, that taught you the hard lesson that, you know what, I need to make sure that it, A, create the expectation, but then I ultimately charge them for my time versus say, just having quote all, all day wedding coverage? Yeah, when, when I first started shooting with Melanie, I found that a lot of our couples, her couples, they, they were doing the five hour package, but we were staying there for eight hours because, oh, wow. because we felt, or Melanie felt that we didn't have enough time to capture all of their day to give them a solid wedding gallery. So we always stayed longer. And then, you know, it, it just got to a point where we had to value us in our time. So that's when we started setting those expectations with the clients. That's really, really good. And and so then do you normally charge kind of a flat rate for a certain number of hours up front and then it's just a la carte after that? Yeah. So we have, we have a five, seven and nine hour collection. And then when we go through the pre-wedding consult, sometimes people need to add an hour, sometimes not. It really just depends on the wedding. And on a more technical level, did you, how did you come up with that hourly rate? Because I know a lot of photographers have a question about pricing themselves, whether it's something as simple as a portrait session, or of course, in, in, when it comes to weddings, not only how much they charge for a package, but then if they are to add on hours, how much do they charge for that? How did you come up with that rate? I, you know what? I don't even really know. <laughs> I think we just looked at each other and said, we're going to do this. Trial <laughs> <laughs> and error. Yeah. I mean, I know my, one of my business coaches had come up with some, you know, some suggested pricing for us years ago. And I, I think, I'm not sure. It just kind of has evolved over the years. Well, I, I love the fact that you're at least making the proactive effort to 
to do that? Because I know as again a wedding photographer for so long, I know that I got into days where that were, you know, ten easily ten hours, but then twelve, maybe even fourteen hours in length. And you're absolutely drained at the end of it. And while we were charging quite a bit of a premium up front, upwards of seven to ten thousand dollars toward the end, that that's still time and our time is worth something. And it's important to keep that in mind as business owners. So I love that that you guys are making that point in not only your consultation, but your business ultimately. Maybe you can throw in a, a last tip for our listeners and, and what they should consider in developing a, a good pre-wedding consultation. Don't assume that your couples are going to give you all the information that you need on wedding day. They're in the middle of planning wedding. The last month before the wedding is really stressful. There's a lot going on. So ask the questions. Take the time to ask the questions and dive in and get to know what's important to them. You know, there's little questions we ask them like, do you have any hidden details? And sometimes the answer is no, but sometimes it's like, oh yeah, I have a piece of my grandma's dress sewn into the inside of my dress. And I would, we would never know that unless we ask the questions. And if our couples take the time to do something like that, we definitely want to document it. So that, and that's, that's such a great point. Um, They are in the middle of so much. I mean, we know what it's like as photography business owners, having personal and professional lives that, that can be chaotic at times, how tough it can be to keep up with those details. So probably be good not only to come up with as detailed a, a possible questionnaire or a, a questionnaire as possible, but then also maybe even to collaborate with your like local wedding coordinator. And, and this might be an opportunity to get to know one if you don't know one yet, uh, but to work with them as well to, to come up with that list of questions that you're going to be asking the potential client and that the more information, the more detail, the better. Again, for the sake of the relationship, communication is so, so important. And uh, so I, I love that last tip. Do pay attention to the details. Uh, as I mentioned before, the questionnaire that we were using was was a good three or four pages in length. And yeah, I would say it would take maybe uh, 30 to 40 minutes, 45 minutes or so to, to get through that. But we walked into the wedding day with a lot of information and, and something to keep in mind. And I think you, you all alluded to it already, but um, not only are we trying to get just the simple logistics of, of you know, the wedding day timeline or the names of the family, the, the key family members, it's also important to, to ne- ask them if there are any specific family dynamics to keep in mind. We have to remember that these brides or grooms may come from different family situations that have you know, maybe multiple parents are involved or maybe the parents are not around. And while it may seem obvious, do make sure to ask the detailed questions again to, to Melanie's last point ask the detailed questions about family dynamics so you don't put anybody in awkward situation, especially during those family portraits. Uh, it mm-hmm. could get a little bit awkward there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I, I really appreciate you guys taking time to, to share with the Boca Podcast listeners today. And I, really, this is a good starting point, I think, for conversation because you all also offer consulting for photographers. And this is something that's on your website. For those of you listening in, if you go to andrewandmelanie.com and go to the education link, you can learn more about this. But can you share just a little bit of about what you're doing there? Yeah, we do one-on-one coaching. It's our, that's our favorite way to, to work because we think that it's, you know, we can take whatever someone needs and build upon it. Um, everyone's at a different place in their business. And that's our favorite way to coach. Perfect. So again, for those of you listening in, go to andrewandmelanie.com. And uh, I think, of course, you can click on the education link there and reach out. And then will you all share where else they can find you online, um, social media, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera? Facebook is Andrew and Melanie. And Instagram, you already mentioned, it is Andrew underscore Mishler. And Melanie's is Melanie Soleil. 
Perfect. Thank you guys so much for for your time today, for sharing about what really is a very, very important topic. I can't thank you enough for, for the time and for the advice. Absolutely. Thanks so much. We had fun. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Thank you.